Good day to you, brothers, sisters, friends, and new faces. Welcome to Current Events and Christian Expectations. And today we're going to be studying and sharing scripture on God as Creator. We'll continue our ser- series on the science of God. And today we're going to be talking about global warming. Our first scripture will be 1 Peter 4.19. And as usual, we'll have several other scriptures that we'll reference and read today. And we'll put those in the overview section. So with God as creator as our primary backdrop, let's just dig right in. So Jim, uh, global warming. Global warming. God the creator, when he's excluded from the public square, uh, science does not get a fair hearing or it gets a spin of of the uh, measure of a political situation one has at the time. Uh, When God is excluded, as he has been um, most of my lifetime, what we have is what's come to be known as scientism, which is like other isms. It's a belief. It's a religion. That's what remains, is scientism. So what we need as Christians to keep in mind is to bear the testimony of 1 Peter 4:19, which Randy will read for us. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. A faithful creator, and we're going to be looking at scriptures that teach that in reference to the phenomena recently of this global warming, and that we should continue to do good, and we'll have examples of that as well. You know what what bothers me a little bit is when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, it was all about global cooling. It was the next ice age, and that by the time I was the age I am now, we would be covered in ice and frozen in some permafrost somewhere. <laughs> exactly, and we're going to reference that, and I think some folks will be amazed at how quickly we go from one thing to another, and we'll explain why in just a moment. Mm. So, we're talking about man-made global warming, not natural. So, here's a quote from David Attenborough. Mm. Most of our audience will know him. He's the fellow on BBC who does the geographical specials and travels all over the world and is a conservatist wants to uh, treat the animals right, and he's concerned about the animal populations. I like him. Yes, I do too. Here is what he says. When we look at the graphs of rising ocean temperatures, rising carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and so on, we know that they are climbing far more steeply than can be accounted for by the natural oscillation of the weather. What people must do is to change their behavior and their attitudes. If we do care about our grandchildren, then we have to do something, and we have to demand that our governments do something. Mm. Now, I like David, but mm. we must take exception to this. What he's saying is politics must save the planet. Ugh. This is always a bad plan. We have reached a point where politics now totally influences science. And what happens when politics and science come together in a kind of an unsanctified marriage? <laughs> Politics, by its nature, is unstable and volatile. It swings left, it swings right, it goes up, it goes down. Sometimes it does a 180. Depends on whoever's in office. Yes. So that means if science is wedded to politics, you're going to have an unstable science. It's going to be swinging this way and then extreme the other way. For example, as Randy mentioned, if we take a look, and by the way, all of this information is online. All these references we use here on our podcast, you can find online. If you look on the internet, you can find the Time, that's Time Magazine, the covers uh, for their 
main stories in 1973, 1977, uh, again in 1977, and in 1979. That, those were the ones I read. Yeah. I, I actually read, my, my parents had those actually in their bathroom in the yeah. house I grew up in. That's right. <laughs> uh, in those years I quoted, you did have at least one cover story dealt with and was concerned with the coming cooling. Mm. And not only was it Time Magazine, but it was also uh, Newsweek, National Geographic, and others did the same thing. And that same time frame, Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock, who we all know and love, uh, had a video out in 1978. And he quotes in there what has become a standard line, and I've just heard it recently in the last couple of weeks, what scientists are telling us. Okay, back then, Leonard says in 1978, that we're going into a global cooling, global cooling, just like those cover stories in Newsweek from 1973 to 1979. One of the reasons for this was the previous year, 1977, Buffalo had the worst winter in 100 years. I remember the winter. It was a big winter in Ohio, too. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember it. I remember the winter of 1950-51, which not many folk out there remember that one. <laughs> that was also a very bad one. The Ohio River froze over, and it was... Anyway, so what does this mean? Here's the following information. By 1987, a cover story in time, and the cover story in 2001, 2006, 2007, was about global warming. In other words, the last time news cover on global cooling was in 1979. About eight years later, they had switched to global warming, and that's short of a period. Mm. Anybody who depends on that kind of science is depending on a thin reed. Mm -hmm. An eight-year gap, we went from cooling to warming. And now, again, I'm telling you, when science is wetted with politics, because politics is volatile and swings back and forth, now we're going back in the other direction. Listen to this. I'm going to quote from a climate scientist, Willie Soon. He's the climate scientist, and uh, here's what he's done. He's urged his fellow academics to pay closer attention to the sun's activity, which suggests several decades of global cooling rather than warming. He says, quote, what we predict is that the next 20 to 30 years, we will be cold. It will be cold, so it will be a very interesting thing for the IPCC to confront. The IPCC is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, created back in 1988, and the World Meteorological Organization, WMO, and the United Nations Environment Program, UNEP. So that's quite a panel, prestigious panel. And probably quite expensive panels, too. Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> yeah, lots of monies must be uh, funneled into these things. So here's what he says in the article, just quoting some of it. He says, the whole climate system is powered by 99.1% of the sun's energy. Um, so, he says, we will have a lot more problems were the planet to cool than warm. Uh, humanity can solve a lot of problems, including overheating, but the problem of a little ice age like we had in the 1700s, quote, those problems are much harder to solve than this. Now, this is from a climate scientist connected with the IPCC, the great organization oversees climate change from 1988, which is associated with the UN. If you want to face a serious problem, worry about an ice age. Never worry about global warming. 
<laughs> and yet the news media in the past several years, of course, and John Kerry was in the news just the other day saying, if we don't do anything in the next few years, again, what's going to happen to our grandchildren? That's an inconvenient truth. You just that, that's an inconvenient <laughs> truth. Exactly. So what is the Christian expectation? It is this. We will have seasons, summer, fall, winter, spring, regardless. These are established by our Creator. And the catastrophes predicted by global warming, uh, man-made, but we can even throw in natural, because God is the one who's guaranteeing this, will not destroy the earth. But there is coming a great global warming, which we want to look at at the end of this broadcast. So let's begin in Genesis, the book of beginnings, and read a section from chapter 8. This is after Noah has landed the ark on the mountains of Ariat, and God is speaking to him. And we have verses 20 through 22. Randy. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. Whatever it was that was burned, whatever animal, the Lord liked it. It was a good barbecue. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was pleasing. Yeah. Absolutely. And so coming out of that sequence of events, God gives the declaration that uh, summer, fall, winter, spring, day and night will Continue as is until this earth is uh, renovated unto the new heavens and new earth. So God makes a promise to Noah that uh, there'll be no more worldwide flood, because if you have water covering the whole world, you're not going to have your seasons, mm -hmm. summer, fall, winter, spring. Likewise, if the earth is consumed in global warming, which they're all telling us, the scientists, it's going to happen and catastrophic things will happen, people will die, obviously you're not going to have the seasons there. But this is important to God, and he reaffirms it elsewhere in the Old Testament. Here's just two we're going to use. First one comes from the book of Psalms, 74, verse 17. You have fixed all the boundaries of the earth. You have made summer and winter. It, it's interesting that the mention of boundaries here on the earth, it's, it's different to think of some of those boundaries being time boundaries, like the seasons and days, mm -hmm. as opposed to just physical boundaries. Right. Yeah. 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 Boundaries of seasons, boundaries of water. They're confined now to their mm -hmm. places, so they'll no longer cover the earth. Then, interesting enough, in Jeremiah 33, we find this promise of God the Creator is tied into God the Redeemer. This is very important for us to understand. Jeremiah 33, 19 through 21. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, If you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that day and night will not come at their appointed time, then also my covenant with David my servant may be broken, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne, and my covenant with the Levitical priests my ministers. Again, day and night is connected to the seasons. That goes back to Genesis 8. We saw that reaffirmed in, in Psalm 74. And here again, God of creation who has set the terms of day and night, which indeed we know determine seasons as they come and go, spring, 
and fall, summer, winter. In Jeremiah 33, they're tied into the Davidic covenant, which leads us straight to Jesus the Messiah mm -hmm. and the gospel. So as surely as we believe the promises of the gospel and the fulfillment of this covenant in Jesus, we should also believe what he has said about the seasons and the days and the night, that they are established. It's not going to change, which means earth as we know it is going to continue on as it has been since the flood. That's a good promise. That's a great promise. We should promise. take comfort from that. We should take comfort. So the conclusion to all this is uh, the following. Someone will say, but isn't the ground cursed? Didn't God curse the land in the beginning? Yes, he did. Let's take a look at that. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, God is talking to Adam. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Well, that sounds very dreary and depressing and dark, and my goodness, what hope is there for a planet of earth? But if that's all you had to go on, you could draw some very negative conclusions about this planet. If it's cursed, who knows? It might go through a total ice age where we become an ice ball mm -hmm. or uh, global warming. But we move to Psalm 104, one of the great psalms that celebrate God the Creator, and we get an entirely different picture, and we need to understand these two together. Psalm 104, verses 14 through 19. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth, and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests, the stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats, the rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows its time for setting. Exactly. The seasons comes into play again. He has a boundary set for them. And yet the ground being cursed, nonetheless, God in his mercy. And we see this time and again with God in judgment that is always mercy. Mm. Great chapter, Habakkuk chapter 3. He's been told about the coming judgment of Babylon. And he cries out, O Lord, in wrath, remember mercy. God always remember mercy. So if you read Psalm 104 and that's all you had, you wouldn't believe it would be possible to have Genesis 3 with the, with the curse on the ground. Mm. God gives relief. God blesses nonetheless. And there is more than enough of abundance of God's blessings on this planet that uh, no one should uh, be concerned about what's going to happen in the future because he blesses. So the conclusion is despite the curse, despite famines and drought, which happen, um, man will not destroy the creator's earth. He's not going to do something that brings about the so-called global warming. But people will say, well, what about this year out in the Northwest where they had record heat? What about right now in the, um, well, last month, the month of July, all the flooding in Germany? And then China's having great floods. And uh, Mr. Soon, our man who says global warming, hey, don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> we got a big ice age coming again. He talked about the little ice age of the 1700s where the, the temperatures dropped down. Okay. Those are variations. We get those within the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, times of famine, times of lots of heat, times of snow and all that. 
there are variations that happen. Sometimes you have, as Stephen King would tell us, the storm of the century. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have that, and we think it's a storm that was the greatest storm. It's going to kill all things. And no, there's been every century has its record-breaking phenomena. People talk about the hundred-year flood too, right? Every hundred years, yes, there's a big flood. Ex- yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So we have do have seasonal variations. The reason why we have seasonal variations is to fear the Lord, not to get a political aspect on it, and so begin to spend millions and millions of billions of dollars to stop global warming, which is, is not going to happen. We need to understand that when things like this happen, just we need to seek the Lord. Here's a scripture for that. Jeremiah 5, 21 through 25. Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble before me? I place the sand as the boundary for the sea, a perpetual barrier that it cannot pass. Though the waves toss, they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot pass over it. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and gone astray. They do not say in their hearts, Let us fear the Lord our God, who gives the rain in its season, the autumn rain and the spring rain, and keeps for us the weeks appointed for the harvest. Your iniquities have turned these away, and your sins have kept good from you. Okay. Mm. They need to fear the Lord so they can have those seasonal expectations of sowing and reaping. It is ordered to fear the Lord. This is abundantly clear when we come to Amos chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. And the whole chapter is this way, but we just want to use these verses to make the point. I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld the rain from you when there were yet three months to harvest. I would send rain on one city and send no rain on another city. One field would have rain and the field on which it did not rain would wither. So two or three cities would wander to another city to drink water and would not be satisfied. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Seasonal variations with Israel or with the nations, because God is the God of the nations, the Old Testament's filled with that as well, as in order to have populations repent and fear the Lord. Then there's also, when bad things happen, like a famine, maybe the heat was unusually hot and burned everything, opportunity to serve. Let's take a look in the New Testament, Acts 11, 27 through 29. Now in these days, the prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. Yes, a great famine over all the world, probably in that context, refers to the length and the breadth and depth of the Roman Empire. And there was a great famine there, and other historians outside the Bible affirm that. You can look it up. But the point is, they still had summer, fall, winter, and spring. Food still grew because here are some people who have the money from their livelihood with agriculture to take it to Jerusalem and to help out people there who don't have food and so they can use it to get food. And that gives us an opportunity to serve. In other words, seasonal variations 
are a call to fear the Lord. They are a call to serve. Mm. And clearly, always, both. Well, we began this with a lot of quotes from um, some people. I want to close it with some quotes that will bookend this. Here's a quote from the uh, NOAA, which is the uh, National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, as I recall. Quote, this is from the website. Earth has experienced cold periods, or ice ages, and warm periods, interglacials, on roughly 100,000-year cycles for at least the last 1 million years. The last of these ages ended around 20,000 years ago. Over the course of these cycles, global average temperatures warmed or cooled anywhere from 3 degrees to perhaps as much as 8 degrees Celsius or 5 to 15 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, end of quote. However, the NOAA goes on to say that's how we now know that current warming trends are different. In other words, global warming is happening. And yet those who would agree with that earlier statement that there has been cold periods, warmer periods over the last, they say, 100,000 years. We won't get into the debate of how old the Earth is, over a million years. But clearly they believe, you know, weather goes through cycles. All right. God's promise is wherever the cycles are, you're going to have summer, winter, spring, fall, and there'll be no more catastrophe that will engulf the earth like the flood did. Mm -hmm. All right. There are those, however, though they agree with that earlier quote, uh, are not affirming NOAA's take on global warming. For example, and this is a good one. This is Harold Lewis. He passed on a few years ago. He earned his Ph.D. in physics studying under, wait for it, <laughs> J. Robert Oppenheimer, mm. one of the main scientists in the creation of the atomic bomb. Yeah. Uh, he resigned from the APS, which is, if you're a physicist, you know that's the American Physical Society. He resigned in 2010, seeing global warming as a fraud, even though he'd been a membership there uh, for 67 years. When he resigned, he cited what he saw as, quote, the global warming scam with the literally trillions of dollars driving it. And he also has said this, Global warming is the greatest and most successful pseudoscientific fraud I've seen in my long life as a physicist. Mm. Again, he saw what we see in it really in the Bible, that there is a basic stability despite all the variations on the planet. And he also saw that when you take science and went to politics, politics will have the upper hand and politics being volatile like a pendulum. It goes left, it goes right. So you don't know what the science is. You can't tell what the science is. You have people contradicting each other, like Willie Soon, who says, hey, we got a great ice age coming. We better get ready and forget about global warming. That's not an issue. It's funny, you look over the course of eight years from the cover of National Geographic going from a global cooling to global warming, just eight years. It's like that's not even enough time for a generation. I'd maybe understand if it was 50 or 60 because a generation True. comes and go. But eight years, yeah. that's that's exactly two terms. That's, yeah. what, that, that's what that is. That, that's true. Yeah. Two terms in the office. Yeah. Amen. Um, one of my favorite people, I think he passed on here a while back, Thomas Sowell, great, the great economist. Mm -hmm. And I always found his columns filled with what I call basic common sense wisdom. He says, would you bet your paycheck on a weather forecast for tomorrow. If not, then why should this country bet billions on global warming predictions that have even less foundation? Mm. Amen. Yeah. And then for those who might remember, the late, great George Carlin, 
Uh, we're going to quote something he said from a HBO special he did back in 1992 called Save the Planet. A very carefully selected quote, we might add. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, I'm going to put a disclaimer. Uh, yeah. I like George Carlin. I always liked his humor. But warning, warning, warning. <laughs> the air is blue. Yeah. The air is really blue. So watch it at your right. Watch it at your own risk. But what I like about this special he did is number one, he takes the theory of evolution seriously. Therefore, he takes the consequences of evolution seriously. As he says, it's clear in evolutionary history from three billion years to this day, in 1992, the Earth is still here. It's gone through everything you can think of, and it's still here. The Earth isn't going anywhere. We are. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Here's what he says also. And he's talking about all these people who are going to, by recycling, and I'm not against recycling, I think it's a good idea, but it's the, it's the philosophy that's grounded in. We're going to save the planet, save the planet. And he goes on to say, save the planet? We don't even know how to take care of ourselves. We haven't learned how to care for one another, and we're going to save the planet? Absolutely. <laughs> so what's happening eventually is this. There is a coming global warming. And it's God-made. And this is what we should take seriously to heart. Randy's going to read from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, and verses 10 through 13. Let me just preface it by saying, uh, Peter says, In the last days there will be scoffers coming, saying, Where's his coming? Where's the promise of his coming? For since the Father is full of sleep, you know, all things continue as they have since creation. He says, What they don't understand is God once judged the world by covering it with water. And the world that then was perished. But now he's reserving the heat of the planet, global warming. He's reserving that heat that we know is all down deep in there with the volcanoes and everything else. And not only that, but in the heavens as well, we'll know how hot stars are. And he's going to bring about a great cataclysm. And out of that will come a new heavens and a new earth. Uh, so Randy's going to read from chapter 3 of Second Peter. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God? because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So, so out of that conflagration will come a new heavens and a new earth, what John sees in Revelation chapter 21. And that's based on a promise of God, just like the flood was a promise that was going to come and it came, and just like the promise he made after the flood, we're going to have summer, fall, winter, spring. Yes, throughout the Bible and throughout history, as we have kept records as best we can go back uh, in record keeping, mm, you know, five, 6,000 years or so. Can't go much beyond that. And, of course, beyond that is basically speculation. No one can prove for certainly that we had a glacier problem, you know, like a million years ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, these things, God the Creator, the promise He makes about this creation and how He will keep it until that day, is tied up with his promise of a new heavens and new earth, which will come about through that conflagration. So this is the global warming we should be preparing for by trusting our creator's words, that his promises for keeping the earth are as true 
as his promises in keeping us for Jesus. Our next podcast, we're going to tackle the population problem, which people still complain about. We produce too much. We need to stop producing. Believe it or not, there have been people for centuries who've been saying that. They're all dead, and the human race continues to multiply. (laughs) Well, thanks, Jim. And you've given us a lot to think about. And I'm sure that there are questions or comments about it. And we would love to hear those questions and comments from you. So please send your questions and comments to eventsandexpectations at gmail.com. That's the word events, the word and, and the word expectations at gmail.com. We'll use your question on comment on the broadcast where possible, and we will always answer you. So this has been Current Events and Christian Expectations. And until next time, keep looking up.